This is Just Football. Welcome to another episode of Just Football. And this week, we've got the hat trick of presenters again. So we've got myself, Dan P. We've got Dan S. and Dave. Hello, guys. Hello. I feel like um, we've done a little bit of our own winter break, haven't we? Where we've had a week off and then come back. Because it's like the Premier League is the only league it feels like can have something called a winter break and still play football through it. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I like our, our version of the winter break. It's, um, no, I'm not a fan. By any I means. find it a bit. I find that everything becomes a bit slow. I would almost rather it stop altogether and uh, then carry on. Yeah, because if it's your club playing, I think you have more of an interest. But yeah, because you, you, we well, obviously my clubs we, we played once in the last couple. We're not playing again for another nine days or so. Well, where's my interest? Yeah, I don't really get so the purpose of it as well. Like I'm, I know it's meant to like rest the players, but we all go off and have like training camps somewhere. So we're not actually resting either. So it seems all a bit pointless. And then there'll be an international break in a few weeks' time as well. And well, a few clubs didn't. I know Spurs are one of the clubs that have decided to do their training at home. They haven't gone away. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I kind of like the idea in a sense of it gives everyone, shouldn't everyone be getting two weeks off, but there's still football in between. So I guess it scratches the itch. But like you said, Dave, it's, or, or Dan, it, it, it feels slow. So we've got, say, a couple of teams, especially if you're in the relegation area, a couple of teams playing, and then they've got to wait a week or so before those around them have played, or you've then got to play catch-up. And if you're one of the clubs that also got knocked out of the FA Cup as well, you're going to have a free weekend next weekend as well. Um, Some clubs are only going to to play once in about three three weeks. Well, I was going to say the opposite, that you've got those who have had a replay and aren't really getting as much of a break as... Yeah, oh yeah that's were... true as well. Yeah, because that replay was right in the middle of those two weekends, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so what what a way of doing a winter break. <laughs> it's funny, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then isn't it an advantage or a disadvantage if you don't play? So do you lose your rhythm or do you feel refreshed and ready and, ready and raring to come back? For some for some clubs, I know, again, ours, ours included, Dan... So an extra week to try and get a player back, right? Or a couple of players back. Yeah, that, that's an advantage. But then there's also the whole points thing as well. You know, if you're close to the bottom or close to the top and then your club psych- psychologically goes three points ahead of you without you even playing, that also makes it tougher on the second weekend, doesn't it? Yeah, additional pressure. Yeah, additional pressure. So I think, over, I know this was probably wasn't an agenda point, but we've probably morphed into one, haven't we? I, I think overall we're saying we're not a fan of this uh, split winter break. It's unusual. Let's say that it's unusual, but no, you're right. That, that wasn't initially on my agenda point. But before we do, actually, I just want to do a couple of shout outs now. If that's okay. So, um, got a couple of people to say hi to. I've got Matt Conway, who I know listens to the show. So, so hi, Matt, and thank you for continuing to listen. And Lord Joey Fitz of the Game Club Pod and Two Blokes from Blighty. So both of them, um, both have kind of been expressing interest in the show. So hi to you guys. Now. I've got a number of things I wanted to talk about um, and was deciding in the order. But ironically, last week I was going to talk about some of the kind of like the the, the, the more upset inside of, of football. But there's still things carrying on into this week. So last week was carrying on still with kind of like the um, the news of Joey Barton. He was in. We spoke about him a couple of weeks ago, but he then continued. But this week and over the weekend, we've had a couple of more real unsavoury um, instances return to football, both here and abroad. Um, so in Italy, we had the Milan team leave the pitch for 10 minutes because of racist um, chance to Mike Minion. Mike Minion, oh, if I pronounce the name right. And you've got, you've got here, um, although it wasn't as well publicised here, but you had between the Coventry and Sheffield Wednesday game, there was um, alleged racist abuse of Casey Palmer, who um, kind of was making it aware to the referee. And I think the match was paused for a bit, but um, I think it kind of carried on here as in Italy, there was the the act of the players coming off for, for 10 minutes, but then the game carries on. So 
kind of wanted to 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 open it up again. I, I know we've spoken about it before, but it just feels like now at some point something concrete has to start happening, right? Especially but if these are I, I don't know what I don't know what can. I happen. think I think points. I, I do think we're, we're we're finding clubs because of. Oh, sorry, we're deducting points from say Everton because they haven't balanced the books as well as they should do. But we see things week in week out like this. More so on the continent, but we have had few instances here, even in the Premier League this season. Um, and it feels like the supporters have got carte blanche to carry on. Um, I don't know. I, I think if we hit clubs with points, do we think that starts making... It might start making a, a mockery of the system as well, right? Because, I don't know. I, I, I don't have, I'm not sure what... We right ban them from a competition. Part. Yeah. I'm not sure what the answer is to this, but we're, we're talking about a lot of the time a pocket full of fans out of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and the club is I, I don't know I guess what I'm saying it, it, it's some mostly the minority isn't it um yeah is it but is it fair to punish a whole club and its fan base based on it a, a couple of idiots in the crowd I don't know well if we, if we look at the way historically UEFA and FIFA have dealt with racism in sport it's been incredibly weak if we Cast your mind back. It's a long, long time ago. If you cast your minds back to Euro 2012 and Nicholas Bentner scored a goal, he pulled down his shorts a little bit and there was an advertisement for Paddy Power, of which uh, Bentner got fined and banned for. Mm-hmm. He got fined 100,000 euros and banned for one match. That's for advertising. Um, what's the uh, gambling company? Well, back then, Croatia got fined 80,000 euros for funds for fans racially abusing players. T- to me, that just says, well, FIFA care about, or UEFA care more about money aspects and protecting their, um, I suppose, commercials than doing something about the game. And from 2012 to now, well, what has changed? I'd say very, very little. So we've had the knee uh, before the start of matches. It's good for symbolism. If we look at Qatar twen- uh, the, the Qatar World Cup, what happened if big players took the knee? You get booked for it. You get punished for, you know, trying to send a message, a really good message to the entire world. You know, I mean, billions watch football and FIFA said, no, you can't do that. Mm. I I was going to say, Dan, I I think you're right. I mean, so at the start where you said it isn't necessarily an an easy answer to this, but I think think it's probably where we see it abroad, I think it's more of a – or I was going to say it's more of an issue because you see more of a fan base do it, whereas here it often feels like it's the odd person in the crowd. And I think that is probably, as long as they can be found and punished. Like, yeah, but I then, see, Sorry, but... I, I, well, I was just going to say there was um, an instance in, in Italy, um, I think it was between, uh, it might have been between Inter and Juventus, but anyway, Lukaku was, had been claimed to have been racially abused and 174, 171 fans be given staging bans following that incident. Now, that's that's not a small section, and at some point the club then has to start clamping down itself. Right, that, that that's what I'm thinking. It, it's just upsetting, I guess, that we still see this um, in I this think, day and age. Uh, the problem is, that once you start kicking out kicking out people that they catch, it becomes a big game of whack a mole, doesn't it? And I don't think you ever resolve a problem fully. It would just be case by case. Um, getting rid of those people as they come in. I do think that if DFA or whatever governing bodies start punishing teams, I think the problem could get worse because these people know now know that they're having an impact. They're not there to enjoy football, so mm. they know that they're having an impact. So that's not a punishment to them. Um, I do wonder sometimes that if the club turned around and did something, i.e., you know, if if the Tottenham fan base were caught to be racist, that Tottenham just turn around and say, "Actually, guys, we're not playing this week. We're going to give the result to the other team because of because of this." I wonder if that'd be a bit more powerful than being punished by um, a governing body because it's a, a club making a stand. Yeah. Um, the thing with that though is, say Tottenham do that, but then next week a Bournemouth have the same thing, but they don't forfeit their next game. I mean, my. My thinking around punishing the club is from at some point, and again, that's why I was trying to see whether there was a distinction between the amount it happens abroad or by the volume of people it happens abroad is 
at some point the club has then got to be self-policing so as fans you've also got a right to call it out if you're seeing it in the stands amongst you right so is there a if we're saying right you're gonna you're damaging my club is there more of a chance to to call it out I I don't know again like I said we can't it is you know if if something like that could be resolved by (coughs) the three of us talking like this then that would be a wonderful thing but it's it, it, it was just um yeah, seeing the two things happen this weekend, it just felt um, following on yeah. from the the couple of weeks we had before for kind of like the the sexism. Um, mm. It just felt like a few weeks of football just needing to almost kind of try to to get back to to being for the, the fans and for the people again. If you know what I mean, it, it just felt like a few dark weeks of um of, of of the sport. Well, what surrounds the sport, should I say? Yeah, I think. Um... So Mike Mannion and Casey Palmer, they should be applauded for their courage mm. as well. You know, walking off the pitch and standing up to racism, I think that, that that's a powerful statement on its own. But FIFA and everyone have the power to do something about it. It seems there are, there's a few individuals who are doing it, but from a club, from UEFA and FIFA position, nothing, they're not doing much. They're not doing enough. There's no way they're doing enough. Yeah, so I mean, that's the thing. I, I was going to say, hopefully, um, we don't want to um, don't want to see talk need, need to talk about this again um, in upcoming weeks. But I've got a feeling we will be. Um, but but yeah, so let let's see if if anything comes out there from from FIFA. I have right, a then, question. Oh, Sorry, Dave. Oh, yeah. a question on Casey Palmer. Yep. Was it was it Coventry and Sh- was it Sheffield? Yeah, yeah. Is Casey Palmer? Related to Carlton Palmer. You know what? I don't know, and I wanted to check that. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. I'll have a look because because of the club. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, what, why are you looking at? And let us know. Um, something I kind of uh, snuck in um, to this week was we've seen that the, the managerial merry-go-round is in full effect now. So we've had two though this week in the last week, and at differing ends of, of kind of like the um, the scale. So we had, I think it was early last week or middle of last week, we had Mourinho let go by Roma. But we've also seen within the last couple of days, Troy Deeney uh, sacked by Forest Green Rovers. Now, I want to speak about Troy Deeney first because it was, uh, we'll mention him again, it was actually Joey last week messaged me, said, did you hear his interview? So I think I put it in our chat. Um, Dan, I think you heard his post-match interview, didn't you? the one before yes. he got sacked. And it was quite yeah. astonishing, wasn't it? <laughs> In, in he's, terms he's, of honesty, a, remind me, he's a new manager, isn't he? He hasn't been, he wasn't there for very long. No, six games, I think. And Four I think that's probably his, his first managerial post as well. So it's um, even more surprising that he doesn't come in with the, you know, does that with the arrogance of like a Mourinho or, or someone like that. He's coming in as a new manager. But talk about destroying the confidence in one of your team players. It's, uh, yeah. it was astonishing, yeah. Yeah, because he called. So for context, I think he really, and some of the things he said might have had a basis in in fact and point rights. He was saying that people were turning up late or or not playing well, but it was he was calling. He was saying there were a lot of babies in the squad and the club, wasn't he? Yeah, um, and you're probably not endearing yourself when when you're saying that. But then, is there a, an argument that crit- there should be criticism of players? But I guess it's the level to which you go uh, I, to, right? I think this stuff has to be kept behind closed doors. I just. I think once it's out in the open, it becomes very dangerous. Unfortunately, I, I think his position was he was taking quite a lot of flack from the media, wasn't he, or, or something along those lines. And he's one of those sort of people that he's, his way of defence is attacking someone else. Um, and that's yeah. exactly what he did. Yeah, agreed. I mean, as a, I think as a manager, he should know better, especially as he's probably been managed by some very good managers. You, those conversations have to happen behind closed doors on a one-to-one basis not in front of public scrutiny. It's, it's just wrong on so many levels. I mean, he did, for, for context as well, he did apologise the next day, but I think it was too late. So he yeah. apologised. That, that's because someone, that's because someone's yeah. told him to apologise. That's not a genuine yeah. apology. Yeah. But his agent going, this looks a bit rubbish. <laughs> you need to come out and say something. Yeah, I think he did say, I, I just got one excerpt. He said... Um, I was trying to cozy my way into it, but the sledgehammer is going to have to come out and there will be a lot that won't like it. I, d- I, I don't really care at the moment. There's too many babies from top to bottom. 
So I think at there, he's also insulting the owners there potentially as well, right? So, so yeah, the, the writing's on the wall then. Now, the one thing I would say, so this is Forest Green Rovers. So they also, they've been a bit of a media, media um, fascination this season, haven't they? Because remember, they, remember when they really went public saying they announced the first female manager at the start of the season or pre-season, but then sort of moved her aside after a few games without any sort of real public acknowledgement of that either. So it's an interesting club it feels like to be part of. Now didn't they have um Duncan Ferguson as well? Rings a bell. Rings a bell. Not entirely sure though. But either way they're they're churning through personnel at the moment, it feels like. <laughs> um and and briefly on Mourinho, so you know, I don't what whatever people's views are of him. This one for me felt a bit of a surprise. So he's He's normally only ever at a club a couple of years, normally, isn't he? But this one, he's turned Roma around in a sense of got him to finals, got him qualifying uh, as in European finals, got him qualifying for Europe again. Um, so it'd be interesting to understand what's happened there. And this is, other than when he left Inter, but he left Inter on his choice because he wanted to go uh, Madrid or after him. He actually looked, I don't know if you saw the video, he actually looked visibly upset about this sacking. Yeah, yeah he was, yeah. So, in terms of Mourinho, then, what do we think? Because I suggested that he might be coming. There's a couple of positions in England he could possibly come to. Yeah, it, I, I'm not a fan of Mourinho. <laughs> I don't know if that's because of his Tottenham <laughs> involvement, but um, I just think I think something happened to him at Madrid, and he came out of the Madrid job a bit broken. Um, and I feel like he's been playing catch up uh, um, ever since. Um, I, I obviously don't know how Rome were doing. So if you so he's turned him around. He's obviously done quite a good job there. Um, but yeah, I'm not not a fan of his. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at one time he was a special one. I mean, what yeah. he did with Porto's win the Champions League, incredible. And and with Chelsea and Inter Milan, those those three, those three positions he did were remarkable, wasn't he? Weren't they? Yeah, generally but, were. And I think yes, the special one. But now he's just a sacked one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't care for him. I think I don't like his personality. He's, yeah does kind of rub people up the wrong way quite possibly on purpose but i just don't know i don't feel sorry for him there's no reason to feel sorry for him because he's pretty earned a lot of money throughout his entire career and deservedly so and i wonder if he's a little behind the times now in, in terms of football coaching and the approach yeah i it's that's an interesting comment because I, I think i agree with that because if you look put him alongside guardiola who have kind of had who've been peers Guardiola has almost maintained relevance, um, whereas Mourinho doesn't feel like he has. It feels like he's, he's dropped back a bit. Yeah, definitely. But it would be interesting because the positions you mentioned, I think one of them you said was Newcastle. It would be it would be interesting if he came back as, into a club like Newcastle. Right? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, the only places you could see would be Newcastle. And we know potentially soon there's going to be money for transfers there, right? And we know he works well with that. Um could he go back to United? I don't know. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't, I don't Yeah, I couldn't see that. So no, I'm happy for Ten Hag to stay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and and the reason then I was also then bringing kind of like these two in is well, we know Mourinho will walk into another role just like that as well. And even Dini, I think if he wants to continue managing, I think one, it feels like sometimes once you're on that. Tre- um, I was going to say treadmill, you, you're, you're going. But look at Mourinho, we kind of said that. And he absolutely, he has been successful. So maybe this is a bad example, but probably the amount of money he's made through sackings is eclipsed what he's probably earned through managing. So again, we, we, we're at a situation where managers can just keep, you know, it, 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 is, there, is there a penalty for failure? I don't, I don't know. It's amazing really, isn't it? So. At that, that, yeah, certainly at that level, not really. Yeah, so he, I think there was a, a rumor of him um, potentially going to Saudi Arabia, but I think he's denied that, or he's he, he won't. But I think he's, I think he's still got something to prove, hasn't he? I think, damn, like based on oh, well, what you both were saying, and Dave, like he's behind the times. I think he's still got. I think he wants that one, one more big triumph, doesn't he? I think. Keep an eye out so on Napoli. Okay. Okay. There you go. Here, here, heard it here first. Um, Inside, even further, it will uh, lead to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Mourinho, he could be linked to all the clubs, right? So uh, that's the thing. Um, 
couple of returns, I think. So, Dan, you threw one into the WhatsApp, but the, the, the one I had was Ivan Tony obviously came back at the weekend. And I, I think I said, and I'm, I'm pretty certain I heard this correct, his last goal he scored before his ban was against Nottingham Forest. And his first game back was against Nottingham Forest and he scored a goal. So it, you, you often get these funny scenarios in football, don't you? Um, yeah. But what do we think about his return? It was, it was controversial again for some people, wasn't it? It's, um, I, it, he was, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the clips on YouTube or on Twitter of his return and what they did. And they played lots of special music and they played The Undertaker's <laughs> Ding as as he kind of come back oh, in. Yeah. I thought I thought it was a little bit over the top. And let's let's be he's not coming back from a big injury. He's coming back from a suspension. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not quite a hero's return. He hasn't gone off and done some good and come back. He's um, yeah, he's come back from suspension. And he also the thing I find weird about it is is obviously Brentford have given him this hero's welcome. But for the last few months, it's all been about what club he's going to play for. So I, I do wonder how loyal he has been to Brentford or he's playing for them through lack of other options at the moment. Because you know, he might only be there a couple more games and he might get transferred. Uh, well, I guess it, you know, transfer window shots in a week, doesn't it? So it, it felt a little bit over the top. I'll let Dave talk about the other controversy. Well, I can also, for the his intro, it is over top. It's quite similar to Newcastle when they gave a Tenali a lap of honour. Because he's done something wrong, he's betted as well, gambled, and they've like praised him for it, sort of thing. It, yeah. it just everything seems so backwards in football. Yeah, the thing with Tony as well was, wasn't he also recorded slate in the club on point? He wasn't was he? Indeed, remember? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, and sorry, before Dave, you go on to the the controversial bit in the game. Um, yeah, Dan, what you were saying because also, if you were to believe it, he's been sort of saying some comments about. Not that he wants to leave to go to another club, but obviously he's seen all these clubs coming in for him. So he's kind of said that about moving on. And, you know, you've got a club that stood by you. Well, they have they had to stand by him, but they, they you know, they've looked after him. And if yeah. it's true what he's saying about these murmurings about wanting to go, I think, you know, you, you could look at that as being a bit wrong. But, but yeah, Dave, over to you. Right, what do you want to know? Let's talk about that free Let's kick. Let's talk about his free, yeah, a free kick. Oh, yes, right, the free kick. Yeah, so Ivan Tony, he was taking a free kick. The referee took his magic spray out, all the foam stuff, and marked where the ball was going to be uh, or where the free kick was going to be taken from. So while the referee was arranging the wall, the referee's had his back to the ball, and Ivan Tony moved the ball. He then moved the ball again to get a better angle and then took the foam, took some of the foam the referee would put down, and kind of remarked the grass. And then subsequently, he scored from the free kick. Obviously, much to uh, Brentford's delight, but to, to Newcastle's, um, what sounds like it's now contempt because they have written to the PGMOL uh, asking for an explanation because it didn't go to VAR. It wasn't reviewed by VAR, um, but obviously it contributed to uh, the three points that Brentford uh, took with them. So one your thoughts things, moving the ball? The one thing he said in an interview, and I wouldn't know if this was true, because he got asked about it in, in the post-match com- comments. And he said, well, I knew I could move it within a yard. Now, I don't know if that is a rule, but you can have a free... I know you obviously can't go forwards, but I don't know if, if there is a yard's bad if he can move. But the fact he's moved the foam <laughs> means he is being deceitful. Like, th- those two comments do contradict contradict each other a little bit. Yeah. I Well, to my knowledge, you can't move the ball, because where that infringement occurred, that's where you take the free kick from. Now... To me, if I look at it, well, he's moved the ball, players dived, water's wet, etc., etc. Each of those should be punished. So that goal should not have stood, in my mind. And if anything, so when you take free kick from a wrong place, you usually retake it. That's what should have happened. That didn't happen. So on one one sort of way, you can look and think, well, he's trying to take advantage. You know, he's bending the laws of the game. On the other hand, he's cheated. I think I... I... I feel like it's cheating, but it's interesting the reaction on, on social media because everyone's a bit split. People are saying, oh, he was clever to do that. And other people are saying he's cheating. And I saw one um, one person tweet something along the lines of, um, it's not Tony's fault, it's the referee's fault for not spotting it. And you're like, what? <laughs> 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 you, 
if you're if you're cheating, you're cheating. It's not the referee's fault for not spotting it. But oh, VAR really? should have picked up on it. It'd be interesting to see what the VR commentary is is around it and whether they did have a conversation about it as they were watching it. Yeah, and why? Obviously, we got the linesman there. We're not they're not called linesmen. It's just referees. But why didn't any of the Nottingham Forest players say anything in that wall? The referee, hey, he's moved the ball. Yeah, they've allowed it to happen as well. So in a way, I kind of feel they're just as culpable. Yeah. I've got a feeling someone said that the guy on the end of the wall mentioned it to the keeper and the keeper said, no, keep it the same. Um, so, I'd, But again, I'd have to, I, I don't know about it as a fact. That's just murmurings on social media. Yeah. It's an interesting I like the, I like the way he's, when he was, like he was talking about, oh, you know, did you think you were going to score today? And he's like, yeah, I manifested it. I manifested Because he's quite an arrogant guy, isn't he? And he's yes. like, I'm, I'm manifesting it. And you're like, well, you manipulated it. <laughs> like, you, you, you did something deceitful to get it. So I guess that is manifesting. It was keeping in line with the WWE. Uh, <laughs> yeah, entrance, exactly. Wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, my, my view on it, firstly, I, it is an interesting thing. So I don't think I've ever seen that before. And it is a funny right. thing to see, right? You, you see him pick up the foam and pull it down. And, and yeah, Dan, like you, I'd heard that he said that you could move it in a yard, but Nuno... Uh, the forest manager has come out and said, well, I've never heard of that rule, you know, and, and obviously as a manager, you'd like to think he'd he'd know that. But I guess the question is, yeah, people have criticised the referee or said because the referee, but the referee's also got to manage the wall, right? And we know in free kicks, there's always jostling and stuff like that. So he's probably got an eye on that. My question is, isn't it something that VAR would look at? Because a goal's been scored. So I thought they would look at all sorts of things. I don't, I don't, I don't think the referee's at fault on this because, like you said, like, I think he's probably no. got his back turned. He's getting the mm. getting the wall to move the yards. I think it's VAR um, that should have flagged it up, or one of, as Dave said, one of the defending players could have flagged it up as well. <laughs> yeah, so it sh- should have been reviewed by VAR, uh, and it, obviously it wasn't the the end of the uh, controversies over the weekend. I mean, again, it's files meant to come in and produce errors, and it doesn't seem to be happening. Yeah, because you, you, you mentioned one just before we recorded that I didn't see at the weekend. So was that in the West Ham game? So do you want to you want to mention that? Yeah, so there was a big controversy right at the end of the... Was it, who was it, Sheffield United West Ham? I can't remember yes, who played. Yes, yeah. yeah. Where I'm going to have to um, talk a little bit, delay, 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 until I find out what I posted to you guys. Um, but, but, but here we go. So I'm just opening up X, formerly known as Twitter. So this is where West Ham believed that Jared, Jared Bowen was denied a penalty. And then TNT Sports, formerly BT, they tweeted about it. And they had uh, Joe Cole and Rio Ferdinand, who would not be biased at all. <laughs> but they have no affiliations with either club. Um, but then the player... Um, Amit Dozic, that's how you might pronounce it. Um, he's actually responded directly on X to uh, TNT saying they're clearly biased. And they you can see the unedited footage where he's pulled down as a player, which makes him lose sight of the ball. Uh, to, and then the editing from TNT was to make it look like it, was, it should have been a West Ham penalty. So it sounds like the media are manipulating what people are seeing to, I suppose, Share their story or narrative. Have Have you seen the unedited uh, video? Then, because that's based on you know a player tweeting. No, I, haven't, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen it yet because obviously that doesn't seem to be available. But um, be interested to see if his claim is is correct. But I do think there has been a problem with pundits being having extreme opinions and leading the narrative, um, which I don't like. But, yeah, but that's that's what they do to get engagement. Don't they talk sport? Do it all the time. They do it to wind up a certain set of fans. Yeah. And they get people calling in, commenting, which means they get, you know, made money or advertising, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It, unfortunately, that's the ugly nature of media. Yeah. That's why I'm out there, why they can't get people that haven't played for either a club to comment on a game or to, to host. Well, that. you know, it's Sky Sports at the moment. It's like watching a Man United old, old boys club. Basically, isn't it? yes. Yeah. You just get a bit fed up with it because it doesn't matter what game's on. You just end up we end up talking about Manchester United, and it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit bo- It's got got a bit boring. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, VAR has. I, I I didn't see all the details, but I was I saw the result yesterday. I don't know if you saw in La Liga. So Madrid, Real Madrid are at home playing the bottom team, and they were two 0 down, 
and apparently they had far go for them and and they they won three two in the end with a very late goal i think like a night night minute goal but it's 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 good to see that it isn't well it's good and it's not good to see that var isn't being just criticized in actually on la liga so yesterday barcelona or betis raul betis played uh, barcelona yeah uh, barcelona went went on to win four two scoring two goals in the 90th minute but they started well barcelona started with two 16 year olds oh wow Quite remarkable. Has Dan, Dan gone? Sorry, no. I just had an interruption on my on my recording. Um, Have you, is it recorded again now? Yeah, same from zero. So, um, but we'll, we'll but what's the what's the percentage? You, what's the percentage you got on the top right? It's saying twenty percent at the moment. Okay, I think I think you'd be all right. Okay, because yeah, mine come up with mine come up with poor internet connection and it disappeared again. Okay, yeah, same okay. here. Okay, all right, we'll crack on. Sorry about that. Um, this will stay in. Fine, fine. It's a it's a half time break. It's a half time break. Um, I did have a, another couple on players returning. Uh, it's something that actually you you put in the chat beforehand. But um, Henderson, Jordan Henderson, has ended his stint in Saudi Arabia and has gone to Ajax. He has got a lot of flack in the press and from supporters. What's your view on that? Um, view well, the flack on that. or the move? Yeah. Uh, I guess both. They're, they're intertwined, right? So, yeah. He, he obviously, when he moved over there, he made a big point of saying he's going over there to create a future for Saudi Pro League or, or something along those lines. Um, so I think now that he's left them after not very many games... I think he's getting a bit of a flack of, like I told you so. I told you that wasn't the reason why you were going over there. Um, and I'm beginning to wonder if we'll see a few more players come back from a Saudi league. Because Benzema's in the same boat, isn't he? he? He There's talks about him coming back. And I just think this might be a grass is not always greener on the other side. Um, and, and hopefully these players will start um, realising that. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, from an England perspective, Henderson isn't popular anyways. I think... Then we look at his or uh, his support before the World Cup or the LGBTQ apologies, I can't remember the rest of the letters plus uh communities. Then he's gone out to Saudi Arabia where uh if you're part of the community over here in England, treatment is incredibly different over there. It's pretty much outlawed. So for him to say, Hey, I'm gonna support and then when he goes to Saudi, nothing happens. And the same of Gary Neville, to be honest, very, very similar. Yeah, he he works for a, for a company. Uh, it might be Qatar or Saudi Arabia. You don't hear. You heard lots of things before the World Cup when he wasn't part of the uh, uh, I suppose workforce over there. But now you get nothing. Uh, Gary I've, Neville. Well, Gary Neville hosted. Um, have I got news for you? Just before he went over to the World Cup in the commentary team, and he got absolutely destroyed for that very reason that he came. Oh, really? Across, yeah, he came across as super critical. It was a difficult watch. Um, he handled it quite well. Then, um, sorry, Dan, uh, from an England perspective or playing playing football perspective, my understanding is he's moved to play for England. He shouldn't be playing for England. He shouldn't be in a squad, period. But obviously, I'm not manager, but it's my opinion. My view is, as sort of as a player, as a person, if he wants to move back, if he's gone out there and it hasn't worked for him, yeah, he's in his right. It, it, you know, fair play to him if he's saying early on, it's not right for me, I'm coming back. But as you said, Dan, and, and they... It's the statements he made, which I think he did, to to stop the criticism he he was getting of going over there. It's those comments he made that I think have come back to haunt him, and I think yeah. people have got a right to to hit back at. If he hadn't have made those statements, if he just said, "Yeah, I'm going for the money," then then well, that's different. That's exactly it. If you're going to take six hundred thousand pounds a week, yeah, well, you would, wouldn't you? Let's be honest. Yeah. Say. But there was also there's also rumours as well, wasn't there, that he couldn't come back to a UK club because of tax reasons. Obviously, we don't know if there's any um, truth to that, which is why he's ended up at he's at Ajax, isn't he? Ajax, yeah. Ajax. Ajax. He he has denied that, but he has denied that, yeah. But sometimes there's no smoke without fire, is there? Exactly. And I mentioned kind of another returning player because it's going to also segue nicely into just an update on the Africa Cup of Nations. So we have got. Salah got injured, didn't he? And he's coming back here for his treatment, which I think is almost, I, I haven't really seen that happen too many times before, but 
kind of guess maybe they think Liverpool got the facilities maybe to give him better rehabilitation, but feels odd, doesn't yeah. it? I guess I guess if he, you know if this was a summer tournament, that wouldn't have happened. Um, I guess is what people are trying to say, isn't it? Yeah. Is that? But then again, it's in Liverpool's interest to get him fitter quicker. So maybe there is, if he's going to be ruled out for tournament, he might as well come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really agree. I know it happens with uh, for clubs. If a player's out on loan and gets injured, quite frequently they'll go back to the parent club to, for rehab. Obviously, international yeah. is slightly different. And on the cup itself, all teams have played two games. Um, there's only one team that are definitely through at the moment. Uh, that's Cape Verde in Egypt's group. So... You've got Group A. I'll only I'll give the top two teams at the moment in each group. In Group A, you've got Equatorial Guinea and Nigeria. Group B, you've got Cape Verde, who I said are through, um, and Egypt second. Group C, you've got Senegal and Guinea. In Group D, you've got Angola and Burkina Faso. Group E, you've got Mali and South Africa. And Group F, you've got Morocco and the DR Congo. So. Yeah, it's all to play for in that last last round, especially as as I said, only um, only Cape Verde are through. So, yeah, all eyes on that. So, as Dave, as you gave a little um, sort of feature on the African Cup of Nations, uh, I think when we last recorded, I was going to do the same for the Asian Cup, as that is currently playing as well, the twenty twenty three. Now. This when I was looking at it, there's actually some quite interesting things about this. So it's the 18th iteration of this tournament, held every four years by the Asian Football Confederation. Currently involves 24 national teams after it expanded in 2019, with Qatar being the defending champions. Um, this year's tournament is taking place in Qatar, originally supposed to be China due to the high summer temperatures and Qatar's participation in the uh, 2023 Gold Cup. But so the tournament was postponed 12th of January to 10th of February while retaining the original name for sponsorship. Now, it was first proposed at the end of World War II, but wasn't implemented until the 50s. Two years after the Asian Football Confederation came into being in 54, the first ever cup was staged in Hong Kong with seven of the 12 founding members taking part. So this says this makes this the second oldest continental competition in the world. Now, in the early years, South Korea demonstrated its superiority by winning the tournament both 56 and 60, and it remains their best achievements. After Hong Kong and South Korea hosted the first two tournaments, Israel was hosted uh, was chosen as host of the 64 Asian Cup. Using the same format the two previous editions, the tournament only had four teams and played in one group to determine the champions. Israel eventually topped the tournament ahead of India with three wins. And the format was then updated to five teams in 1968 before it was expanded then to six teams in 72 and 76. Then, and, and it feels like a tournament that's had real changing in terms of um, who wins it or, or, or superiority. Iran then became the dominant force as they won three consecutive tournaments in 68, 72 and 76. And they remain the only team in Asia to have won three consecutive cups. The 1972 final was notable as it was the first Asian Cup to use a group knockout stage uh, format, which was followed by in subsequent tournaments with some alter alternation. And Israel were expelled from the AFC in 1972 uh, for political reasons. From 1980 to 88, the number of teams taking part expanded to 10, with Kuwait becoming the first Arab country to win the championship in 1980 after beating South Korea 3-0 in the final. And Saudi Arabia, after an initial poor start, began to emerge as the country qualified, then won two consecutive trophies in 84 and 88. Japan saw their emergence in the 90s, so until 90s they were mostly a small name in Asian football and the country only qualified for the 88 edition for the first time. Um, however, as Japan started to make a concrete move to interprofessional football, the country's fortunes increased. They hosted the 92 Cup, which was reduced to eight teams and two groups where it merged victorious. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just going through. In, in 2000, they saw Lebanon take part in its first tournament, um, and it was Saudi Arabia who reached the final, but this time Japan triumphed over them. And the 2007 Cup was the debut of Australia, which had abandoned the Oceania Football Confederation in 2006. Um, 
as well as being the first football competition in the world to be hosted by more than two nations with four countries hosting it. It was Vietnam, Thailand, Malaysia and Indonesia. Australia, after its poor debut in 2007, rebounded to reach the final in 2011 in Qatar, but lost to Japan after extra time. Um, this The win for Japan meant it became the most decorated team in Asian football with four titles. Now, for an odd little thing here, the tournament was notable as the first Asian Cup to use a jersey number order from 1 to 23, which kind of stood out for me that, so I, so I put it in. Um, and the last stat, really, I've got for this, the 2019 Cup, FAR was used in the tournament for the first time, as well as being expanded to 24 teams. Now, in terms of winners, we've said Japan have won it four times, 92, 2000, 2004, 2011. Saudi Arabia have won it three times, Iran three, South Korea twice, and Israel, Kuwait, Australia, Iraq, and Qatar have all won it the once. Now, I did pick up something on the cup itself, the the, the trophy. Um, there have been two trophies used for it. There's, the newest one was introduced in 2019, and it's currently modelled after the lotus flower, which is an important aquatic Asian plant. And the five petals of the lotus symbolise the five sub-confederations under the AFC, and the winning country's names are engraved around the trophy base, which is separable from the trophy's main body. Now, it's actually designed by an English luxury brand that specialises in gold and silverware, and the company has made or restored well-known trophies such as the FA Cup, the Ryder Cup, and the Six Nations Cup. So, yeah, it's um, it's got quite a prestigious uh, creator of the trophy there. So, so in terms of that, there's a few things in there that I found kind of quite interesting, like Australia being in there um, and some of the other teams that that were were noted. Now. It feels like this tournament hasn't got much attention really over here, has it? If if it wasn't for one of our players going off to play in it, I'm not sure I'd know it was going on. Yeah, I think uh, you, you could you can say the same for Afcon. If you look at the coverage on the BBC to find Af, the Afcon or the Asia Cup, it's hard work. It really yeah. is. Is the, the coverage is minimum like minimum possible. Yeah, they're at the stage. They're at the same stage as the Afcon, so they've all played two games. I won't. I won't go through them. Maybe we'll give an update next week on that one. But, but yeah, there's just a little insight into the um, the AFC Asian Cup. Now, is is, is Son close to coming home? Like, is he close to being uh, knocked out? <laughs> It's a close group. So South Korea and Group E, you've got Jordan at the top on four points, South Korea on four points, but then you've got Bahrain on three points. Um, so, so it could be, you know, it could be by next week. Well, well yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They are playing, though, but although South Korea are playing Malaysia, who are bottom with two losses. So, oh, okay, um, we'll see, we'll see. Um, right before we go, I didn't have a quiz, or I don't have a quiz, but I've got a question for each of you. So the question is, which is one it a different you want to... question? Is it a different question? Have we all both got a different question? You've got a different question, but similar. The question is, who wants to go first? Is that the question? I... I'll go first. All right, Dan. <laughs> Dan <laughs> quick, quick thing, Dan. I think yeah. for me on the thank you for the Asia Cup, very informative. The, the one thing I found really interesting that it's the second oldest international competition. Yeah, continental tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, the oldest is the Copper America. Was you kind of assume that it'd be like um, the Euros, but yeah, Copa Copa America was first. Yeah, so yeah, there was quite a few. Like I said I picked up quite a few things from that. It was it was interesting to do that research. But um, yes. also the other thing, one more thing. Sorry, this is some delaying the question. See, there's a lot of crap happening in Israel at the moment, but it's also interesting that they moved um, confederations. They're, they're now part of UEFA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and and that's why um, also Australia kind of got into it as well from from their their confederation moves. So yeah, that's kind of an interesting little thing that national teams can do. Um, right, question time, Dan. You went first, so this is a classic scenario of start bench and sell, and you okay. have got David Ginola, Luka Modric, and Gareth Bale. So at their and prime, we're thinking, yeah, we're thinking at their prime. <laughs> okay, so you have got yeah, so David Ginola, Luka Modric, and Gareth Bale. Oh, I know what I do. I know what I do, um, and I'll explain because it might not make. You're going to have to start Gareth Bale. He's one of the best players Tottenham have ever ever had. 
Um, him and Harry Kane, I think, are up there as, as probably the two elite players. Um, so Gareth Bale will start. And then I'm going to bench David Ginola because this is, a, this is a weird one because I think Modric is actually a better player. But Ginola is one of my favourite players of all time because he just had the flair. He could he could turn a, a game where we were playing terrible in an instant and he would do something sublime and uh, win us a game. And just a bit more excitement. So I'm going to bench him to have him come on and then I'm going to sell Modric. Not because I want to, but because you're forcing me to. Um, <laughs> Try to pick yeah. three players in a similar position. I get what you mean. I think Ginella at Tottenham had more of an impact in the sense of um, personality of his, wasn't there? there was and also, a... he was a very good player in a fairly bad squad um, at, at the time. Mm. And he, the, the way he just excelled in that squad was, was really good. Whereas Modric was a very good player in a good squad. I don't know if that's the reason to put to sell him, but um <laughs> well, one of them had to go. One of them had to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay. Dave, it's not that's not your question, but what would you I'll, have done? I can answer that. Yeah, I did. If I could put my, if I had a hot Tottenham hat, I'd. Have you got uh, a Tottenham hat? Do you want me to get you one? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, uh you start bail. bench Modric, sell Janela. Job done. Simple as that. Uh, all, all agreed on the starting then, at least. Yeah. I put, if I put my Arsenal hat on, all of them are benched. <laughs> and well, they never come on the pitch. Well, funny we're talking about Arsenal. See, <laughs> you've got a similar question, Dave. You have got, so it's start, bench and sell. Thierry Henry, Ian Wright, Dennis Bergkamp. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> I've made this intentionally. I mean, the, this is tough. But again, we're thinking at their prime, okay? Sort of. Hey, you start on Ray Benchburg, I'm sell right. I think I would. Sell right. Sell right. Yeah. The thing is, the, the only drawback of that is Wright was so Arsenal. Like, he was so passionate about that club and he loved that club more so than the other two. So does that not get him any brownie points to kind of get him up that list? But he's our second highest goal scorer. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he broke Cliff Bassin's record. Obviously, Henri, as for me, is the greatest Premier League player of all time. He has to start. Yeah, I'll um, give Henri. It's, it's a Bergkamp mighty one. See, Bergkamp, there are many saying, there are many people on player, ex players saying Bergkamp was better than Henri. What happens if you needed to fly to play a game? What would you do then? <laughs> <laughs> I would. Um, <laughs> We'll have to get him there. If it takes him a week to get there, we'll drop him from one game and have him a more important one. Uh, I think, I mean, what was your all, all special? In order of, of order of ability, I think that's the right order. But I just uh, there's something about Ian Wright and Arsenal. There's such yeah. a connection there, isn't there? Um, yeah. But maybe I'd put Burkamp third based on that reason. Even though I think Burkamp's a better player. I really like Burkamp. I, I, as a player, I really like him. But yeah, when I look at that, and again, putting my Arsenal hat on yeah I would think right has to be there I, I don't know and maybe that's us looking on the outside Dave is a lot more to the point because he is an Arsenal fan maybe maybe that's the thing maybe for us but yeah um yeah I, I'm quite surprised at that but these are tough tough questions I must say I, I really like Ian Wright as a pundit I think he's one of the best pundits around I think maybe I, he's got agree. a bit of my affection for that yeah actually Dan going back to the Tottenham one because initially I had instead of Ginola I had Paul Gascoigne. So if I had Paul Gascoigne, but then I wondered if maybe he was a bit too. You're he's a, a bit too he's young. a bit before he's a bit before my time. <laughs> yeah, let's do, yeah, let's just say I'm a bit too young for that one. Um, you know, my memories of Paul Gascoigne in Euro '96, not not as a Tottenham player. Dave, Dave, would that would you have changed your view if if it was Gascoigne over Ginola? I would. Yes, it, it would change it. Uh, peak peak Gascoigne. Was unplayable. I'd still put Bale starting. I think Bale just offers a lot more. I mean, that game was against Inter Milan. He tore that right back apart. Do you know what's funny about that yeah. game is he by far single handedly won us that game, but he didn't score a goal. And I think that's that's what showed showed how good he was that he could get all the headlines yeah. without scoring. Uh, right. So I'll go. Sorry, I'll go. Bale keep uh, start. Bale bench Gascoigne and Sal Modric. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See that I can see that. Right, Dan, well, you, haven't given your, you, Dan, you haven't given your opinion on on those 
what what were the orders you would do? Run out of time. We've run out of time. No, based <laughs> on what it was, I think I agreed with. Um, I think I agreed with. Actually, I think I had start bail, bench Modric, and sell Janela. Very good. And for, and for Arsenal, it was start Henri, bench righty, sell Burkamp. But that was that oh. was a tough one. That was a tough one. Um, yeah, but that that was what I had for this week. Have either of you got anything else to add? So I know uh, the one thing we haven't talked about was um, Omar Barada. Oh yeah, that I had on there, but I wasn't sure. Oh, we can we can leave that. I've I've got some uh, conspiracy theories around it. I'm sure many others do. Yes, yeah. Uh, I'd say it's like liken it to a canary in a coal mine. Yeah. So just just quickly, yeah. Basically, this week, in well, in the last 24 hours, I think, isn't it? Um, City have appointed Omar Barada, who was City's chief footballing officer i think basically the, the the head of football there i think he's now you mean be... you mean united appointed him not city yeah sorry united have appointed him he was city's um cfo he's now going to be united ceo i think head up now yeah maybe we come into this next week i think i read an article i don't think there's any impl- he's not i don't think he's in, implicated in anything happening but the fact of him leaving there i think could could be a sign of of things let's say that which we'll probably pick up next week watch this space so um if there isn't anything else catch us you've got all the socials the socials are going to come up at the end but look for just football on all the social media platforms check us out on all the uh it, well you are checking us out on the podcast platforms so if you are make sure you give us a, a s- subscribe to us give us a like rate us and share us um uh, also youtube as well now indeed yep check us out on youtube channel so look for just football on there so yeah other than that we'll see you next week thanks for listening to just football we hope you enjoyed the show if you did please share with your friends and family we're available on all podcasting platforms and you can follow us on x at just football pod in the meantime keep your head up and your eyes on the ball